Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Take me to the game. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to the Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Welcome to our weekly Sunrise Project calls. I am happy you're here, and I hope that you find a moment this morning of solace and peace as we share and learn from one another in a safe space that's filled with love, compassion, and a mutual desire to heal our children, our families, and ourselves. I'm going to open with a prayer like I do every week, and then I will introduce our fantastic guest experts for today. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. For our previous calls, uh, since we started this movement, we featured experts in mental health, addiction, and education, and they were all mothers themselves. Today, we decided to let all of our expert moms take a break, and we invited two expert fathers to be with us as our special guests. Dr. Kendall Jasper is a clinical psychologist and his brother, Kanan Jasper, together known as the doc and the dude, bring an honest, common sense, and most importantly, a real life clinical approach to addressing mental health in all communities. Today's topic is raising boys to men from a man's perspective. And these two gentlemen will share their experience ranging from clinical and sports psychology to marketing, engineering, and the authenticity of street psychology. Their methodology has proven successful with all kinds of individuals from communities of color, disadvantaged communities, 
current and former pro athletes and entertainers. And I am excited to introduce you to Dr. Kendall Jasper and Kanan Jasper, known as the Doc and the Dude. And I'm going to turn it over to you two to start the conversation. And thank you for being here. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for having us. God bless everyone this morning. And uh, I am Kanan Jasper. I'm the oldest brother of three. And uh, my youngest brother is uh, Dr. Kendall Jasper. And uh, we're partners in facilities called AIJ Cares and Jasper Psychological. And then collectively, we have a program called Doc and the Dude, which, uh, as Kelly explained, it's it's the unique approach to mental health and uh, the therapy uh, revolving around mental health. We take plenty of life experiences, our own and shared and we throw it all into the mix. So there's no place that we cannot go. We both come from a very uh, challenged neighborhood growing up, and we both experienced some extreme success on a global, from a global setting as well. So we, we possess a decent amount of range that we get a uh, go to, and we have really high connected connectability with, young men through our participation in sport as participants and coaching, having a great father and great males around us all our lives ourselves growing up. And we continue to expand on that through our friendships and relationships. And uh, early on, I want to, I want to keep this short and get to the point. So I'm going to turn this over to my brother, Dr. Kendall Jasper, and then we'll jump in right in with a, uh, with some things that hopefully we'll all benefit from. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Kendall? Yes, yes. Good morning, everyone. Uh, would also like to say thank you, uh, Kelly, certainly for uh, allowing us on your platform and uh, the ability to share our, you know, opinions and, and information with your audience. Uh, you know, I agree very much with all the things that my brother said. Uh, I myself licensed clinical psychologist and um, getting right to obviously the, the idea of, of what it takes to raise a, a, a boy in particular, an African-American boy to a man. I think that in, in terms of the recipe for that, the foundations of it should be the same and, and the, the sprinkles of whatever kind of spice or, or um, additional things you may add to that recipe come sort of become individualized based on the experience of the individual, the experience of those parents and things that, that, you know, we've learned because no two households, just as knowing two individuals are the same. But I think that I want to start with uh, a conversation and, and bearing in mind the importance of, uh, trust and honesty, um, as it lends itself to 
communication. So I would charge everyone on the phone to kind of open their minds up and, and, you know, be able to find your truth and, and be honest, you know, about, you know, where you are, where you would like to go. Um, honest opinion about your parenting techniques and then certain things you would like your children to aspire to and also holding yourself accountable and responsible in that respect. So I know that Kanan talked a lot about responsibility and I will let him follow up with more in-depth conversation about that responsibility and, and what that looks like. Okay. Um, please bear with us because obviously we're talking into, into a, we know you're there, but there's, there's no call and response thing here. So just bear with us. This is a pretty new experience right here, but let's get right to it. Um, why, why are we here? You know, we're here because we're all concerned parents, you know, and particularly the mothers who are on this line, who have the hardest job and, and we're all especially concerned with the development of our black boys, right? So we do know that there's not a shortage of black males at birth, right? That's pretty even and on par with everyone else. So there obviously some things happening between birth and adulthood. There's things happening mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you know, and our situation a lot of us, we, we, we come up with these terms, like, you know, black men need this, black boys need this. Some of that is true, but we cannot be looked at as just from a macro lens, right? We have to be viewed individually to determine what's needed to develop, develop each one of us into becoming a responsible man, you know? So let's be honest here. We're on the call for an hour. So, all the answers will not happen in an hour. What we intend to do is unveil some tactics and stuff that we can use just and uh, so we can understand that we're not powerless in this because I know some of us, it, it appears that, like, what am I to do? What can I do right now? I'm, I'm powerless. My son is growing. He's growing in a way that I don't understand. Uh, he's doing things that I don't align with. Uh, the responses are coming so fast, but but they're somewhat invisible. So there's some things that, you know, that some situations you can really deem yourself to be powerless, but that's not the truth, you know. So we're going to be talking about our responsibility and our things that we can do that could reestablish some power within our own families. So, and, and if, and if you don't mind allowing me to chime in there, Kane, uh, I, I think that that word power, if I can create some imagery for sort of a, a, a timeline approach to raising a young man. And this is something that I tell my parents in particular, my, 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 my black, my, my black family parents. So, you know, some of us have experienced corporal punishment growing up. Um, and there's sort of the very comical sort of adage of getting spanked and then being told, shut up before I give you something to cry about. Right. And if we, we think about it in that way, 
if you just spank me and I'm crying, I'm crying because I'm hurt, right? Like I don't know too many young men who at five and six years old can take a spanking from their mom or their dad and not cry. But the message that's being sent to shut up before I give you something to cry about is almost a way of deeming them powerless to a level of expression of emotion, right? And, and it perpetuates what seems to be a common theme amongst our young boys to men is the idea that we continue to have a significant issue with our ability to express ourselves in an honest and safe way that lends itself to us seeking help, appreciating each other's uh, accomplishments and, and being expressive about our own accomplishments, the accomplishments of others. More importantly, on the downside of that, the issues that we're having. So as a result of that, we continue to find ourselves in a space where we're less apt to seek help that inc- that incorporates being able to express yourself or wanting to express yourself about the things that are going on. And that happens in, in, in every sort of sector, health as it pertains to job satisfaction, as it pertains to relationships, as it pertains to health and seeking health care, as we continue to be a population that uh, underutilizes medical care, mental health care, uh, resources that are available to us as it relates to vocations, uh, vocational trainings. So, you know, I, it, some people may say, hey, listen, what is he saying not to spank? What I'm saying is, is that there are advantages and disadvantages to corporal punishment, but there's a, a much more of a disadvantage to blunting or making comments that would lend themselves to our young men not feeling like it's comfortable for them to express how they are feeling. Um, right. And if they want to cry and it, it, it wants to be one of, one of those long pause, snotty nose cries, then let them have it. You know, because okay. those are those are things that are that are lending themselves to being able to soothe and, and conditioning us to say, okay, although I was punished, I was able to express how I felt out of that punishment, even if I couldn't explicitly speak to my parent and tell them I thought it was wrong for me being spanked or punished in that respect. So under, understanding, and, and this is Canaan again, you know, before we get to solutions we have to understand the problems that we're dealing with. Sometimes rushing to solutions can be far more dangerous if, you, if we don't understand the problem and the problematic experiences that we are undeniably faced. So let's, let's identify some of those problems that we all have in common, right, as being um, black people and people of color on this line. We all are fighting simultaneous what I like to reference is, you know, world wars because they, they go on. These are and they all going on simultaneously from a standpoint of trauma that we all have to overcome. And some, you know, because some of these things are inherited, right? So our history in this country has a lot to do with it because we don't live here alone. We live in surviving under some supreme oppression. And um, so we, we have a fight for humanity 
that is still very inherent in a lot of people. We all know some of the history of people of color and black people in this country, you know, through slavery and, you know, Jim Crow and, and civil rights, all, you know, moving up to the present day. So there's a fight for humanity that we all have to over, had to overcome in some de- degree. There's a fight for liberation. There's a fight for equality, as many women on this phone can very much relate to, because, you know, you guys clearly outperform us in many areas, but are not rewarded the same. And then, and then many of us have to fight for survival because there's some blatant things going on right in front of our eyes to try to show us that our lives are not valuable. So these things that we are dealing with uh, collectively, but from different perspectives, you know what I mean? Our, Our young men have to view this and their worlds change immediately. So because their worlds are changing very fast, we have to change as well as parents. And understanding our enemy is part of it. You know, our enemy is systemic, it's institutional, it's media-driven, and it's funded by economics, in which we're the most valuable commodity. Our black sons are the most valuable commodity. So what what's happening where we can control these things, right? What's happening as our sons are getting older, we have a decline in parental involvement. We seem to think that, oh, they get older, they should be more independent. Certain things you should be able to do by your, on your own. Well, that's not necessarily true. You know, as we get older, our children need more of our time because, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the circumstances become much more serious. You know, their errors are not looked at the same anymore. You know, a 13-year-old boy, was it Tamir Rice? 11-year-old boy, one small mistake can cost him his life. So we have to spend more time with our, with our children. We have, to, we have to come to more PTA meetings as they get older. We have to force different conversations. You know what I mean? What, what's happening? What else is happening with them? It's a tremendous increase in peer pressure. So we got to step in there, too. You know, these are the things that we can do that give us some sort of power and input, right? We have to, um, we have to direct them to their role models, you know? And as for the young boys, we have to emphasize that their role models are black men. Why is that? Why is that? Because I guarantee you that you can say some things to your son, but if a man is in front of him, He's going to respond in a different way because some of the many uh, conduits for communication are going to want to lie with it between two men that they're going to uh, be received differently if it's coming from a, a woman to man because there's some so, so many unspoken communication opportunities there that he may not understand or that you may not understand. You know, so we all need help in in that communication when a child is getting older. Um, and if I could chime in, I think that with all of that being said, I think that the, the other piece to that is 
due to sort of the, the psychology behind racism and oppression, as this young black man is maturing and, and identifying who his role models are, identifying the choices that he needs to make, he's also battling, and as he becomes more of an abstract thinker through his level of development, he's also battling with who his true self is versus who his assimilated self should be. So the other part to that is we aspire to have our young men be in the best educational environments, be in the best best and safest sporting environments, be in the best, you know, employment environments, right? And a lot of times those environments incorporate individuals of other races, in particular the majority race. So there are times when the presentation of a young man can be inattentive or aloof or distant, and some of that is about his own personal journey, his own personal mental journey of identifying how do I balance my true self versus who I'm supposed to be when I'm out in public. And everybody has that. Everybody has that battle. However, for African-American men and boys, that battle comes with consequences that don't look like everyone else's. Right. Because those consequences end with a young man going jogging who ends up thinking that it's going to be a day of exercise to no longer being on this earth. Mm. As in his truest form, he's a threat. And even in his assimilated form, he's still a threat. So, you know, just to kind of create some imagery, if I'm in a room and it's just me and there's seven other people and none of those seven other people look like me and five of them look like white folks and we're in a discussion and I'm battling with the content of that discussion because it's not remotely culturally sensitive. I have to navigate in my sort of mind, my thoughts to to try to figure out how do I present myself and present my ideas in a way that I don't come across looking like what they think I am? Some form of an angry black man who sh- doesn't really have a reason to be angry. Or or woman, who, or woman for that matter. Or a woman who, who doesn't know how to express himself, who potentially isn't as educated as the rest of us in the room. Because can I really afford to show them who my true self is? Can I really afford to show them that culturally I can leave here and engage in a totally different dialect of slang that me and my friends and family understand that they don't have an understanding of? So what can I afford to do? And through that process, that becomes mentally exhaustive. Mm -hmm. And if I am not able to go to a place to decompress, to have those discussions, uh, just to kind of let it all out, then I'm going to suppress it. And it's going to show up or come out somewhere. It has to. Yeah. And, and, and when, more times and when it, than not, more times than not, can I'm sorry to interrupt you. No worries. Continue, please. Continue. No, I was just, I was going to say, you know, it, it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy for the the thought of other individuals. I am 
I am confirming who you thought I was, but you didn't see what led up to, quote unquote, this blow up, so to speak. There's a laundry list of things that were behind what you saw today. So I'm just, I didn't just become angry or irritated or Mm -hmm. somewhat aloof. Uh, I'm dealing with relative trauma to my experience Mm -hmm. while trying to also understand changes in my development physically and mentally. And if I then don't have those role models or a point person to be able to talk to about a mutual experience, I, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to find someone who has that level of commonality. This is why it's, it's important to put black men in front of black boys, but validated and qualified black men. You know, one of our biggest issues that we face is that we have to deprogram a lot of kids before we even get to a, a ground zero of conversation because they, they're taking their information from sources that are not necessarily validated, right? And they're confused as well. You know, they, they're, they're bombarded with apparent success of celebrities and, and influential people, not knowing that many of these people are not qualified. I have no grounds to be talking to them about certain development issues because they mm-hmm. suffering tremendously themselves, you know, also as they grow, as black boys grow, the compassion for them lessens, right? So some of their curiosity can be misinterpreted for other things. I'll give you an example, you know, boys learn different from girls, but as, as schooling goes further, particularly starting in the fifth or sixth grade, a lot of times the settings are not designed for male learning unless unless you are in a different cultural setting. You know what I mean? Most of our boys have to be many different people just go, going to and from school with their friends outside of school, their friends inside of school. They're, they're but their perception, the perception of who they are from the world and then who they really are inside. And again, all of the compassion across the board changes because as he, as he grows bigger, he starts to look like a man. Well, now there have become some similarities to maybe uh, an unfavorable experience that, that a young lady dealt with. Maybe her father was absent. You know, maybe she had a bad breakup with a boyfriend. And there's, here's another man with that same potential standing in front of him, her. So the, he has to deal with that as well. And, and believe me, I'm only saying that I, I, I know that women have to deal with way more stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm only saying this because we're talking about black boys right now. You know, but sometimes, hold on, Canel, sometimes his curiosity can be misinterpreted. Like, for instance, if if the learning style is not appropriate for him in school and he ha- he has to, he needs to learn something, you know, but he wants to know why he needs to learn this. Why do I, you know, why do I need to learn this? This doesn't make sense to me. This is not going to help me in life. 
So why, why are you overemphasizing that I learned this, that I get this good grade here or, or what have you? You know what I mean? But, but, then, but it's unrealistic for us to expect a child to spend 12 years in school pre-college than possibly four years in school in college and maybe even grad school and not have some input or some strong questions on why it's important to learn those concepts. So the curiosity can be misinterpreted as belligerence or defiance, and that's not what it is. He needs to know, and somebody needs to explain this to him in ways that he understands in real-life terms. And oftentimes, we, we struggle with that. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. But and then can I, again, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just have to ask you, how do you respond to that? My 17-year-old wants to be a rapper and has no mm-hmm. interest in school right now, even though, you know, he's doing well in his AP calculus and all these great classes, but has zero interest in, mm-hmm. you know, in school. But, what, what, how do you explain why it's important to get a high school degree? Can I chime in real quick, Kay, and I'll let you get back to it. So here's where sort of the rubber meets the road, right, with black, with black parents, right? Yes. The, the idea that we engage in sort of those absolutist belief approaches and, and more of an authoritarian sort of parenting style, right? Listen, you're going to do this because I said so, right? All right. Mm-hmm. We're, not in, we're not in the business of you asking me any questions after I give you uh, some directives. Like, don't talk back to me. Don't ask me why. Um, you can't, you're not in a position to ask me why, because I know better than you, right? The, the response to that is education, obviously, is the equalizer, right? And the idea that if you educate yourself on, on topics, then you're less inclined to be misled. You're less inclined to be easily influenced in a negative way you're less inclined to be taken advantage of. And that education in most situations fosters more questions and you want to know more about the why and the understanding of the mechanism. Now, there also has to be some compromise in that. So you may not want to go to college, right? I think that you should go to college, right? But ultimately, here's the, start, here's the very strong reality of it. If the kid is 17 or 18 years old and they graduate from high school and they decide they don't want to go to college, you are in fact being powerless on what to do next. You can't beat them over the head and drag them to school. I mean, you could, but they may decide that they don't want to do that. So where's the level of compromise? Where's the ability as an adult to say, hey, listen, this is what I want for this kid if the kid doesn't get it, right, it may pain me. And, the, and, and I may feel like I failed that individual, but to a certain degree you haven't because individuals will choose their own path, regardless at times of what you put in front of them. So I think part of the 
answer in response to that is to engage in some self-reflection and look at yourself and the idea that am I putting on this individual, whether he's my son or not, my ideas for his success? Because if it, although it has worked for me, it may not necessarily work for him. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a black dad, so like I, I can say all of that, you know, intellectually, but I also can say that you're not just going to be around my house not doing anything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and because those mm-hmm. are things that I've heard. So you're going to learn a trade. You're going to learn how to support yourself because although you're going to make this more difficult, you can potentially make this more difficult for yourself. There is a way that I need to do my job and educate you and show you that you need to, you know, be able to support yourself. And if that is right. being a sanitation worker or if that's being a, an a astrophysicist, you know, we, we've got to figure that out and find some. All right. Friends. But, but, but let's, let's, let's be very real and honest here. Right. It's some scary ish to have your 17-year-old son say, you know, yeah, I'm going to push aside all this all this input that you put into me, all of these, these, the school and, the, you know, the studying and the extracurricular activities and everything. For you. I'm going to push all this aside because I want to be, go ahead, I'm going to be this rapper. You know what I'm saying? I want to rap. That's scary to any parent, you know? So my response to you, Kelly, is this. One, you he has to have some real life conversations, validated conversations about what his statement is saying. All right, you want to rap, or do you want to do something else? If you want to rap, rap. You can rap all day long. You can rap while you're working. You can rap while you're in school. Do you want to rap, or you want to rap because you look at it as some and you uh, you identify and rap with some degree of success. Right, because you might say you want to be like Jay Z, but that's not what you want to do. You want you want the apparent success of Jay Z because if Jay Z was the same dude, but he was rapping in the subway for change, you wouldn't want to be that. I don't care if he was the if you thought he was the best rapper ever, you would not want to be in the subway just rapping. So you don't want to let's let's have a real conversation. You don't want to rap. You want to be financial successful and with the with the apparent or alleged accolades that you think rappers receive. So let's take a real a deeper look into that. You know what I mean? What what's really going on behind that? Who can have that conversation with them? You know? Who can have that conversation about ninety nine percent of rappers and entertainers end up broke. But or doing but, something but other think- than that. We, you know, this will be the last statement, Kay. I know we need to open up for Q and A, but I think that that if I could, let me just say this. But what you didn't do, Kay, is you didn't dismiss the idea that he came to you and he said that he wanted to be a rapper, right? No, and I think that, that and I think that that's also important. So uh, we we as black parents sometimes have to realize, you know, he came to you with something that you may think is unrealistic, but don't necessarily dismiss it. Just t- take him through the process of why you may think that it's unrealistic right, what, what you put really in front of him, like. what, you, what it really looks like and what you put in front of him. So you didn't invalidate his feelings or, or what his hopes and dreams were. You just say, hey, listen, okay, you say you want to be a rapper. 
I get it. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. And right. through that process, that's, that's maybe what, what you'll learn is that this is a little more difficult than what you thought. You know what I mean? But we shouldn't be scared of some of that conflict and adversity. Kelly, so, so we'll yeah. turn it over to you for some Q&A. Sorry it, it took a little long um, to get well, this there. This is but fantastic. It's blame, really blame, Don't blame me. Blame Canaan. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. I got it. <laughs> That's super. This was really helpful. And um, I just want to remind all the callers, anybody has a, a thought, question, feel free to jump in now. I was just asking, can you all just also give us a quick five-minute perspective on what can a mother's first role be in helping young adult men deal with trauma or heal from trauma? Because from being pulled out of cars and, and you know, and police stops because all mm-hmm. our young men had that more than once from being mistreated or being attacked by predators. You know, I have mm-hmm. nephews and sons who've had molestation um, from trusted, you know, leaders, coaches. I just, I just really want to know what can you as a mother, what's your first step? Okay. The first thing that we need, we all need to be very aware of is that there are multiple enemies mm-hmm. that, do not want to see the progression of our sons. Mm-hmm. And that's a longer conversation, but, you know, we're willing to have that at a later date. But um, the first thing that we must all be able to do is be able to protect our sons and, and teach them how to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that you protect yourself or, and we protect them is make them fully aware of one, who they are, who they are to this world and why there's a agenda, there's an agenda not to allow them to reach their potential. Right. That is, that is some very honest discussion and it may be scary for a young man to find out what power he truly has when he reaches his potential, you know, because that's, that's all, that's the difference between a Malcolm Little in a Malcolm X. That's the difference between a young Dr. King and an older Dr. King. You know what I mean? It's a difference between a young Marcus Garvey, older Marcus Garvey. You know, so it's a big difference between a young Kane and Jasper and an older Kane and Jasper. You know, so the the power that he has, if he's able to be aware of who he is and what he really means to this world, would be very informative when in in teaching him how to behave and how to protect that being, you know, the second part of it, second part of it is education, right? Educating yourself about your surroundings. You have to know that how each thing in your ecosystem works, where it comes from, what its intention is, and how do you best utilize it for your benefit. You know, that allows you to develop a perspective on how to deal with things that you're confronted with. There is no, there is no good scenario where the police are involved. None. Mm-hmm. I have, in my 50 years of life, I've never been in a situation where I felt good when the police were present. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I avoid police at all costs. What do I, that means I'm not smoking weed in a car with my friends that will give police the, the, the entree to me. 
I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not gonna put myself in positions where they may be present. And if they are present, I'm gonna make sure that all the things, all my ducks in a row, so that I can speak confidently and calmly to let them know off the cuff that they're not dealing with the regular situation here. You're dealing with an informed person and I don't have to be rattled because I already know who you are. I know you're not here for a good reason. So let me, let me take control of the situation, give you exactly what you asked for. I'm not going to be overly sensitive. I'm going to, I'm going to get through this because I need to survive. You know, can I go ahead? Ken. I, I think that as Canaan is talking, obviously about the preparation and preparing ourselves for the conflict and adversity. Um, but the the other side of that is when the conflict, adversity, and the trauma has already occurred, and how the management of that has mm-hmm. to happen. So, number one, I, in in any so in any tr- what someone deems to be a traumatic situation. The, the, part of the most important thing is validating it for them, right? And there's a there's a way to validate it without presenting it to them as if it's a weakness. It can be a vulnerability, but not necessarily a weakness because there's negative connotations associated with the word weakness more often than not. So we don't want someone to have a blow to their confidence and esteem outside of what blow may have already happened with whatever trauma they experienced. So there has to be a way to validate and have an unwavering support, even if we don't feel like it's that traumatic, right? And that, that may not be traumatic to us, but it's relative. It was traumatic to them. Let's validate it. Let's deal with it. If it's created a vulnerability for you, that vulnerability becomes a, a strength if you're only willing to tell your truth. Right. And be honest about what transpired, because a lot of times those traumatic experiences were beyond your control anyway. So you walking around, you know, with this backpack of despair and anxiety and fear and depression is in part your own self-inflicting thought process of blame. And we're not here to blame you. What we're here to do is say, hey, listen, it's happened. Let's flesh it out. Let's talk about it. There's no need to be embarrassed about what transpired. Right. Right. And we're going to continue to work through it and turn that embarrassment into, you know, something that can be used as a strength or something that, you know, it, it, it's not difficult for you to process or think about. You know, if someone's making fun of you because, you know, you know, I, my brother's, make fun of me because my nose is a little bit bigger than theirs, right? So when I was younger, that was an issue. But, you know, you have to learn how to become a part of it. Laugh with, laugh with them, right? Acknowledge, acknowledge that that may be the case. And that no longer becomes a weakness for you, right? And you're, and you're having an honest moment with yourself about, well, you know, my ears are a little big. Maybe, you know, I... I do say certain words kind of funny or whatever it is. Now, those are light things and there are more extreme circumstances. But I think that if we build that person up through conflict, through adversity, through the acknowledgement of validating issues and then having those discussions, when we do get out here, we've created a person who manages those traumatic experiences that that are put in front of them a little different. And you can quickly gain a perspective on it. 
So there's a, there's a pre and a post and, you know, a, a build and destroy and rebuild process. And, you know, again, like we won't be able to go through it all on this one call, but, you know, obviously we're going to extend the conversation in future days. So, all right. One, one question. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Kelly. One one question that I have, or maybe it's a comment that I'm interested in your response on, is that I think there's there's good news in that culturally and generationally, young people believe that vulnerability is something that should be embraced more. There are a lot more feelings on college campuses. There's a lot more expectation that you're supposed to expose yourself, even in hip hop and, you know, popular culture, there's an expectation of vulnerability, but I feel like that isn't um, received as well with our young black boys, you know, for Prince Harry to be more vulnerable is one thing, but when black Mm -hmm. boys are expecting that same level of, of embrace or receptivity uh, for their vulnerability, there's not as much of, there's not as much empathy necessarily for black boys. Well, because that's, that's about the same thing you said earlier. They have to navigate differently. And I guess I'm wondering how you're having conversations with the folks that you speak with, young mid black boys, on, on the understanding and self-awareness that, yes, that is true in the rest of the culture, but it's not so true for you. Well, I think that you, 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 so, you start with where you ended, right? It has to be a brutally honest conversation about expectations, Right. But it's also about understanding your power. Right. So the world is less less forgiving to those that are deemed as a threat because of the power we have. Right. We are the individual who can go anywhere in this world and recreate ourselves. Right. We are a race of people that can go anywhere in this world and recreate ourselves. Right. So that 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 comes with a power that's vastly different than most other races of of people, right? But that doesn't mean that we discourage you to, you know, not express yourself. Just be prepared for what comes next. You know, part of culturally, part of what culturally has become an issue is the idea that the ability to have an opinion gets lost into shaming someone for an opinion that they have, right? And and you're shamed in a way that makes you say, well, all I, I won't I won't share my opinion any any anymore because I'm getting you know creamed here for sharing my opinion and it's just I didn't like the song. Oh, you're you hate the person. You're a hater. You never like anything. No, I didn't like the song. It was that simple. So why is this becoming a personal attack on me, right? So we have to prepare them. And it, and it very much has to look like an exercise of preparation. You know, if if the people who you care about you the most tell you no and they can still show you that they love you and you can get through that, then anyone can tell you no. Because it's less oh. meaningful to hear from someone else other than those that that care the most about you. And if they're brutally honest with you, hearing some of that honesty from someone else kind of takes on a different connotation because I've heard it and we've practiced it and I've been conditioned to hear these things. I've conditioned, I've been conditioned to hear that truth. Right. And, and with all that being said, you know, being, being emotionally available and responding and showing unwavering support does not mean that there isn't a point where 
having a conversation about being more autonomous, right? You know, showing some grit um, can occur. They aren't mutually exclusive. They can occur at the same time. Okay. Great. Okay, thank you for that. Is there any other uh, comment or question? For me, this is right in line with uh, adulting, right? Because many of the folks on this call, as the brothers stated earlier, um, are people of a certain level of affluence, right? Mm -hmm. But we may not have seen that prior to this generation. So mm -hmm. like for many of us, for our parents, they were told at 18, you get to go to college, you get married, you get a job, or you're going to the services, right? right? So our children that we're parenting who are given the privileges that we may not have seen in previous generations, they see this affluence with no end in sight. So how do you, I, I guess my question is, when you have a child who has been given the keys to the kingdom, they see the affluence and you want to put limits on it and not necessarily stating, you know, what you see is because of the blood, sweat and tears of decisions that we made. If you choose to make different decisions, that's fine. We don't care that you become a doctor, lawyer, engineer, Indian chief, et cetera. But there is going to be a time where you have to support yourself. And so in having that conversation, can you kind of give us some guidance so that it's not, you know, being cruel? Like basically you're going to get cut off if you don't figure it out. I don't care if you yes. become a, yes. a supervisor at CVS, but they yes. see the influence. They know that you could continue to help them beyond a traditional adulting cutoff limit. How do you kind of navigate that, that chat? Well, one, one thing, you got to be honest with yourself. Are you ready to have that cutoff conversation? That's one thing. Right? Are you ready to to see, watch that struggle? Do you view it as a failed attempt or a failed effort on your part? That's one thing. Other part of it is, our parents, a lot, many of our parents live by a certain code, right? They say, I've achieved a level of success. You haven't achieved or earned anything. So, you know, we've heard the thing. I'm rich. You, you not, you're not, you're just living here for this time. So you can't give somebody the keys to the kingdom if they haven't earned it. That goes against all principles that probably got many of us to the level that we are right now. You know, there was some degree of achievement, but we lived in a, in a, time frame where the, the the background music, the theme music was achievement. They live in a lifestyle where the background music and the theme music is appointment. You know, so they you know, they're they're a little bit confused. And we again we have to pro reprogram. So one of the ways to equal and level the playing field is the institute an earning system, a true earning and reward system. You can, you sh we should not be rewarding our children if they haven't earned something. Just because we want to feel good about ourselves, that a lot, that's a lot to do with us. But they should not be receiving it just because we received it and like, well, I didn't have these things as a kid. Well, large, well, necessity is the mother of invention. Wow. So, if you feel you need this, you will earn it. You will show me because I have it. What you can't do is go in my bank account and get this money. What you can't do is right now is pay for your 
plane ticket or pay for your car or, or something like that. So if you want these things, you want these sneakers, you want this, you know, this video game or what have you, you're going to have to earn it. I will give you necessities. I will feed you. I will clothe you. I will give you a place to live with a time limit on it. Yes. But all That's those extras, you have, to, you have to earn it. And we have to be very, because those are the things that we can control and we, we can take some of the power back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was just going to say, we could go on and on and on. You all have been incredible this morning. I want to just say, I, uh, I wish we had all day, but I want to just close out with a prayer. Um, I'd like to say thank you, Father, for allowing Dr. Kendall and Kane and Jasper to pour into all of us with wisdom, honesty, and compassion for us. Help us learn to have patience and to communicate with our children honestly, like they shared, without criticism or contempt. Help us to understand that our children's choices are their choices. And even if they are not our choices, help us find peace in them. Father, please place an army of people around our children. Help all of our children, specifically the ones that have mental health and addiction issues, and love them in spite of their various challenges. Father, you love us in a perfect way, even, the, even in the middle of our crises and the middle of our children's crises, you love them perfectly too. Thank you for loving our children beyond our capacity. When we can't see what's happening in our children's lives, we can still rejoice because we know you hold them in your hand. Father, please protect our little black boys and girls and keep them safe particularly as they're growing into beautiful young men and women in America. Thank you for your undying love for us and for blessing us today with these powerful words from the Jasper brothers. Today and always, in Jesus' name, amen. And thank you so much, um, Dr. Kendall and Kanan. And um, yes. we would love to have you on again at some point. Really appreciate you both. And, amen. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for you having so us. Much. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... 
Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.